This is how we overcome We're moving out Keep us up Reaching to the world Arms open Arms open Yeah This is how we practice Great Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Erica. And I'm Sarah. So friends, welcome to a new series here on Crazy Faith Talk as we approach Advent 2023. Um, In this new series, we're going to be talking about the waiting church and what it means for us to be a church that waits in this period of Advent as we wait for the coming of Christ. So Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about where we're going to go specifically this week? Yeah, so um, I, I wanted to bring this up for our Advent series um, because I had recently read a book that talked about the waiting church. Um, and I, I, I loved that connection with Advent because so like Advent, the, the weeks leading up to Christmas, um, especially if you're in the revised common lectionary tries to balance out that we are both preparing for the birth, the birth of baby Christ 2000 years ago, but we are also preparing for Jesus to come again in the second coming. Like it's, it's trying to find that balance of like doing, doing both. So sometimes the revised common lectionary actually skips around a lot in their readings as to Mm -hmm. like, what they're pointing to but Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to deal with we are waiting for something Mm -hmm. and that's sometimes really challenging for us to do we like to be more active instead of just you know waiting seems to have this connotation of doing nothing while we wait Mm -hmm. um that i don't think is necessarily true um but advent like the church as Advent people, the people who are waiting, we are waiting for God to do this thing that has been promised. And what does that look like for Mm -hmm. us as a community to be the waiting church, to be waiting for God? It's interesting as you describe that, I, I hear that we're pulled as, as, Church nerds were pulled Advent wise into those two talks, two ways of talking about the coming of Jesus. The coming is at Bethlehem 2000 years ago that now was predictable. And we know the plot as surprising as it was to live through. We know how that Christmas pageant story goes and the ambiguous and mysterious coming of Christ in glory. But it feels to me like we're also pulled between two ways of thinking about time. And many people have heard the cliche about the two different words for time in, in Greek, about chronos time, which is like measured days and months and hours and years. And then kairos time, which is more like the, at the right time, at the right season, when everything was right, this is when it happened. Um, and those moments that aren't quite predictable. And to me, it feels like Advent lives in that intersection too, that like, we literally count down weeks in a predictable way. It's like, you know, so we set apart this season. We know exactly how this season is is long, uh, how long it is, because we've been lighting a candle every week. Here's how you know. And the rest of the culture has little advent calendars where you open the door and get a piece of cheese or chocolate or Lego or whatever to count the days down. We're great at measuring that chronos time, but it's also about that ongoing posture beyond advent and Christmas about how do we all the time be people who are ready both to wait and also ready for God to act at any moment. And that's a difficult thing to learn. So it's almost like every year we have to go through the the, the, the refresher course on how to be people who use both kinds of time. 
And that means waiting differently. When you're waiting for something that you know exactly when it's going to happen, there is sort of a, I don't have to do anything, you know, when I'm baking cookies or baking bread and it's in the oven, my job is I, I put the timer on. Great. I could do whatever I want and nothing else matters until the timer goes off because that it's that kind of chronos kind of waiting. But if it's be ready, because at a moment's notice, you might be called upon to do your part or say your thing. That's a totally different approach. And it, it is a more active kind of a waiting. And, and I think that's something that we've we as a church have been struggling with all these 2000 years, right? Because yeah. the disciples and the early followers of Jesus were very much of the thought that Jesus was going to come back any day now, any second, Jesus could just pop up and mm -hmm. things would get a rolling. And yeah. so they had to make some tough decisions as that first generation was dying yeah. to realize, oh, we might have been wrong. We might be waiting a little bit longer than what we initially thought. Now let's actually start writing down some of these stories while we still right. have people who knew Jesus with right. us. Right. Um, right. And I and I think that that ability to kind of pivot, yeah, is, is amazing that they were mm -hmm. able to like do that because I think that kind of pivoting as an entire community is probably challenging. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I think we may have talked about it before on this podcast and some other uh, context, but the challenge there is for any entity to move from being a movement to being an institution, and for whatever challenges or downsides there are to an institution, and I get it, sometimes that's how we end up with, we've always done it that way syndrome, but for anything to move beyond the first generation of people who are in it, for anything to be able to carry on and attract new people who join the community, that's the point at which, well, this isn't just the original 12 disciples but it's the, the as we move on to how does this carry on beyond that first round of people it's there's a huge pivot in, in that and that means also the ability to say exactly as you mentioned sarah that we're we got to be prepared for a marathon not a sprint and yeah when you read a lot of the new testament writings you get the sometimes unspoken assumption sometimes very clearly assumed It'll be any day soon, folks. Jesus will be coming back. So, you know, those who are married live like they're not married. And, though, and like you get times in Paul where he's like, it'll be tomorrow, guys. Um, and that Paul assumes he'll be among the people who will be alive when Jesus comes back. And you know, we who are left will be caught up with them in the air. He's assuming he's going to be one of those people still alive when Jesus comes back. And like, how do we now with 2000 years later of hindsight to say, Okay, they were factually that that did not happen the way they expected. It doesn't mean they were wrong to hope, though. And like that's a difficult posture to, to wrestle with. It's not wrong to hope. The the possibility that it could happen at any time is correct. And we don't want to be people who give up on hope or teach each other. Nope, don't hope for anything. It won't be for another million years. But how you also live with the weird, unexpected joy of being wrong. <laughs> I, I had a seminary professor who I think you also had, Steve, um, yep. Dr. Mark Allen Powell. He would tell us that when you are doing the Eucharistic prayer and you're saying, come, Jesus, come, you should have such hope in your life and in your heart that you should be pausing and looking to the door to see if Jesus is in fact here. Uh -huh. um, and it, it was always... He, 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 it always kind of got a little bit of a laugh, but also self-reflection because 
how many of us actually expect right. to be alive when Jesus comes again? Like, right. I honestly, most of the days, I do not. I do right. not expect it to happen in my lifetime because there's been 2,000 years where it hasn't happened. So I don't think, like, in my lifespan like maybe if I'm really lucky 60 more years but that seems a stretch to be living for another 60 years do I really think it's gonna happen in my lifetime no but also I feel like we should be hoping right. like oh right. cause how great would it be if death would be no more and war would be no more and disease would be no more right. like that would be great if that would happen um so yeah that should be our hope and it's tough because like you can au almost automatically hear the cynical voices going, but it's so naive to hope for a world where there's no war and death and, you know, and yet to go like, okay, I run the risk of sounding naive, but I won't give up on that hope. And it's not wrong to hope. It wasn't wrong when Paul was hoping that it might happen in his lifetime. Um, and, and yet like, maybe this will be conversation we'll have to unpack in these coming weeks is uh, how to be a waiting church uh, that, doesn't give in either to like despair or cynicism of nothing will ever get better. We're just waiting to die. Um, or on the other hand, sort of like the waiting that I think gets real easily co-opted into fear mongering and how there are times within Christian tradition, it's been, we're waiting for Jesus to come. And that equals this trajectory of particular world events that are, you know, this, this, uh, fictional book told us are going to happen and when the terrible things happen we don't say it was terrible we say this is what god exactly made and required to happen and so we shouldn't be sad at the terrible devastation all around that's god making it happen like there are so many ways that can go sideways and like again i think this is the point of what this kind of this kind of precarious waiting we're talking about is you know anytime people were brought up to me like i used to have a neighbor in my in my last parish they would always say Buddy, we're in the end times. We're in the end times because of all those yeah. things happening in the world, like, you know, the wars and the violence and, and just the chaos that has been our world, even just in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And I, I always tell folks to tell me that, you know, we've been in the end times for 2000 years. Right, right, right. You know, it, it, and I'm with you, Sarah, like, I, I tend not to think about Jesus coming in my lifetime because it's been 2000 years. You know, so why wouldn't it be another 2000? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's been 2000 years. And so why wouldn't it be? Sure, we're we got to be getting closer, closer right? It doesn't even <laughs> all have a line in one of his letters. We got to be getting closer. We're closer now <laughs> than we were before, right? Uh -oh. You know, every day we get closer. Now it's still, again, it could be two days. It could be two hours. It could be two, another 2000 years. But hey, we're 2000 years closer than Paul was. <laughs> so, so, so uh, uh, oh, there was, there, Every once in a while, somebody will take a look at the Bible and think that it's a math problem to be solved. And if yeah. you just do the math right, you can predict accurately when <laughs> Jesus will come again. And um, so I saw a TikTok a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was, I guess, uh, a recent prediction that Jesus was going to be coming sometime in October. And there was like a specific date, like October mm -hmm. 18th, but I don't know what day it was. Mm -hmm. um, but some, so the first half, the TikTok video was um very much fire and brimstone preacher making this very impassioned speech about how Jesus is coming we all need to be prepared is Jesus in your heart like have you 
done enough to earn salvation or whatever because uh, you have until october 18th you have until that day and um it cuts away to the second person who had stitched on to this tiktok and it's just some guy sitting in his car and he goes and it's like after october 18th yeah. and he goes oh man i miss jesus again <laughs> Dude, that's yeah. the one time i can tell you when jesus is not coming back anytime right. someone predicts a date Right. I guarantee you that is right. not the day he's coming back. Right. Do you ever wonder if maybe Jesus was planning on coming back on October 18th <laughs> and then he saw that a bunch of people had made that prediction? He's like, well, I can't do it now. <laughs> maybe that's why it's taken 2,000 years because we've been predicting dates for that long. <laughs> to me, all of this points toward a difficult posture that doesn't give up on the idea that it could happen anytime, but also continues to live life in the meantime. And it feels like trying to balance on a knife's edge, you know? Um, Lutherans often will tell in conversations like this a little bit of apocryphal storytelling that's attributed to Martin Luther, but nobody can quite find if he actually really said it anywhere. But the old story is that Luther says something like, if he knew the world were going to end tomorrow, he plants an apple tree today. Um, and the idea is sort of like, if Jesus is going to come tomorrow, I'll be ready for him to come tomorrow. Right now, I'm going to keep doing the good work God has given human beings to do, to tend and care for creation. And it's such a beautiful line that it's almost like it doesn't really matter if he said it or not. That's the, the spirit of, of the kind of mentality we're talking about. And it's that ability both to say, I'm ready to drop everything. There's nothing more important than being a part of the reign of God. So nothing else I do, no accomplishments, no money, no plans or whatever are more important than when Jesus uh, says it's time for the new creation, I'm ready. Um, but also to be prepared for the long haul. And until that day comes, let's keep back to, you know, get keep, keep doing the good work. Um, but that's a difficult thing to live out for more than a moment at a time. And I think too many people get too caught up in that waiting that they don't want to be doing something else. And so they just find themselves kind of just sitting twiddling their thumbs when God calls us to be continually active until that mm -hmm. day that, he, right. that Jesus does return. Yeah, that's what I love about the apocryphal Luther story about like, if I knew the world were going to end tomorrow... It's not just, well, I'm not going to freak out because I trust it'll be okay, but also I'm going to do something with this day I've got. So today's the day of planting apple trees. Even if I know I'm not going to get to eat any apples, I'm going to plant the apple tree. This reminds me, I don't think I ever intended that I'd be quoting this song or this band on this podcast, but I'm thinking of that uh, song by 38 Special, Hold On Loosely, you know, hold on loosely, but don't let go. Uh, if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. But like, that's a difficult posture of like, how do you not let go of the day-to-day -day stuff of life? Uh, but also we're not giving up on this, this life matters in the meantime. And that's a difficult, I'm still holding on, but I'm not tethered to, you know, my plan for the day or my plan for my life or my life won't complete be complete unless I hit retirement, get to go to Florida. And like, nope. If 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 it's over before then, it's over before then. And I'm I'm cool with that. See, what well, um I think the song that's been rattling around in my brain, uh, we just finished watching season two of Good Omens on oh, okay. Amazon Prime. And um there is a song, I think I can say this without like completely giving away the entire plot of season two. Um, but there's a song that is woven throughout the whole season, um, which is Every Day by Buddy Holly. Yeah. Um, you know, every day it's a getting closer, closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way every day. Hey, hey. It's getting faster. Yep. Everyone said, go ahead and ask her. Love like yours will surely come my way. 
Um, and it's, and it's just, a, it's a beautiful song and the way that they have woven that in to like the actual plot, like, mm-hmm. it's not just like good background music, right? but it's actually like a plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, what's been kind of rattling around in my brain because mm. of good omens. Yeah. 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 This also reminds me, did you ever read that um, Children's Sesame Street book, The Monster at the End of This Book? Do you remember that book? Do you know that? Um, This is like one of my favorites, not just because of the memories of childhood, but for me, like this is the great comedy of Advent. The premise of that book is Grover, the narrator, talking to you, reading it. There's a monster at the end of this book. Oh, no, I'm so scared. And Grover keeps saying, don't turn the page. Don't you understand? We're getting closer to the end where the monster will be revealed. There's a monster. Don't turn the page. And he'll do things like nailing the next page down or putting locks on it or chains on it and finally get to the end. And he survives. And it's wait. Grover is the monster that was at the end of this book. It was safe all along because he's the monster at the end of this book. Um, and of course, the other delightful irony is that means he's been with us the whole time, too. Um, and to me, like, I think that's exactly the cosmic divine comedy of Advent, right? Is that this one that we're waiting for who's coming is also the one who's with us right now. And we're the ones who get all fussy and worried about, oh, no, the end is coming. Oh, no, Jesus is coming. We're so afraid. Well, are we done the right things? Are we prepared enough? And instead, the one who's revealed at the end is the one who's been walking us through it the whole time. Um, and again, like, that's that's such a cool realization. But also, how do you live in that? that place of, of that, that tension is hard. What is it, what does it look like then? Like in your either individual life or in, in church life to be the kind of community that waits in that helpful way, rather than in the sitting on my hands, doing nothing way, or just the despairing way. What, how, how would you recognize it? I think that might be a great place to pick up next episode. I think we should do it then. I I can hardly wait to find out what we talk about then. But I also think that I think by asking this question now and then we'll explore it further next week might give you all an opportunity to chew on it of like, what does it mean for you to be a waiting church or to be a member of the waiting church? Um, This is kind of the downside of um, having it be a podcast is I feel like we don't get to hear quite so much from people who listen because I would kind of like to know what other people are thinking and doing beyond the three of us church nerds. Yeah. But it would be cool to see the hashtag waiting church take off and people share their reflections or insights or ideas or photographs. Yeah. Well, now I can hardly wait, but I'll have to for next time when we pick up with more conversation about what it looks like to be a waiting church. So join us then next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye.